Home. Home is supposed to be your safe haven. Your bed, the thing you crave coming back to at the end of a long day. Your parents, the people you take or fire a bullet for. Between the four walls of a home and around the people you love exists most of your life. That was all true for 13-year-old Arushi. Little did she know though, on the night of the 15th of May, in that very home, those very people were about to conspire to commit murder. Her murder. And they were going to succeed, making sure she never saw the light of another day. This is the story of what really went down inside house L32 in sector 25 Noida on the night of the 15th of May 2008. This is the story of Arushi Talwar. Hi everyone, welcome to Desi Crime, a show where we deep dive into some of the craziest cases from around South Asia. I'm your host Ashwarya. And I'm Aryan. And the case that we have for you today is a whodunit, so convoluted and so confusing, it has given the whole country sleepless nights for more than a decade. Ashwarya, I'm not going to act like I don't know the Arushi Talwar case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're a true crime podcaster worthy of your salt. Yeah. Arushi Talwar is one of those cases that you need to know by heart, uh, yeah. like the back of your hand. That said, you seem to know more about this case than anybody I've ever met. You obsess about this case. Yeah. You've always wanted to cover it on the show. You finally got the chance because I was yes. like, all right, just just do it, right? Yeah. Even though it's popular. And I think it's partly because you, I think you live near where Arushi lived in Noida, yeah. around Sector 25 or somewhere. In Sector 25, the same colony as hers, uh, just a lane away from where her home used to mm. be. And I remember the year that the movie was actually coming out, uh, there were like vanity vans and a large number of reporters downstairs. So that's when we all found out that, oh, they're about to shoot a movie. In fact, you all don't know this, but our high school teacher actually lived in the house where Arushi Talwar was murdered. I didn't know this. Our English teacher from high school, yeah. Um, so yeah, I have some tie to this case. I know that a lot of listeners wanted us to cover this, um, but that went against the grain of what we knew, which is that this is a very popular case. There's lots of information online, but I'm still super excited to get right. down to it. Let's get into it. So we're beginning this case on the morning of May 16th, 2008, inside house L32 in sector 25 Noida, home to dentist Rajesh Talwar, his wife and also a dentist Nupur Talwar and their 13-year-old daughter Arushi Talwar. That morning at 6am, the Talwar's part-time house help, a woman named Bharti, was standing outside the house constantly ringing the doorbell, waiting for someone to open the door. This was weird to Bharti because usually the Talwar's permanent house help, a man named Hemraj, would always open the door on time. He lived in a room directly attached to the Talwar home after all. So, he should have heard the bell. But this morning, he did not. Instead, the door for Bharti was opened by Nupur Talwar. The constant bell ringing had woken her up this morning, even though she and her husband were both late risers because of their late shifts. 
But when Nupur Talwar tried to open the door to let Bharti into the house, the door didn't open. She realized the door had been locked from the outside and Nupur had no way of opening the door from within. This seemed weird to Nupur Talwar but not super weird or anything. The first thought that runs through her head is that Hemraj must have gone to the market to get milk and locked the door from the outside. Nupur then tells Bharti to go downstairs and wait under the house balcony so she could throw the spare keys down to her and she does exactly that. Bharti grabs the keys, climbs up the stairs again, reaches the door again and realizes that the door was just latched from the outside and not locked with a key. In the time that Bharti has grabbed the key and come up, Nupur Talwar tried calling Hemraj. The first time she called, the call did ring, but someone on the other end cut the call abruptly. When she called him a second time, his phone had been switched off. By this time, Rajesh Talwar has also woken up from all of the commotion and he finds in his drawing room a rather weird scene. He finds one of his scotch bottles on the dining table. This surprises him. He didn't pull this bottle out. He didn't drink it the night before. In fact, the night before that, at around 10 p.m., the Talwars were busy celebrating with their daughter Arushi. You see, Arushi was almost about to turn 14 on the 24th of May, and for her birthday, the Talwars had bought her a Sony DSC W130 camera, and the camera had arrived just that morning. Now, Arushi's birthday was still a week away, but the Talwars were excited. They wanted their daughter to have her camera. And so they decided they were going to give it to her on the evening of the 15th. And that's what they were doing at around 10pm that night. We know this because Arushi clicked photos on the camera that night, with the last photo being clicked at 10.10pm. 10 After that, the Talwars claimed they went to their bedrooms to go to sleep and Arushi went to her room. Ashwarya, you know, other than you, mm -hmm. I don't know more people who have a tendency to reveal birthday <laughs> gifts and surprises. I'm really bad at it, you time. all. She yeah. is, she plans the, the best, no, she plans the best birthday gifts, but once she plans them, she just needs to tell you what she has planned. Way too excited, and yeah. A month before your birthday, you'd find out exactly what's going to happen, which is sweet in its own right, but... You know, I, I've known you for a while mm -hmm. and so it doesn't come to me as a surprise. Yeah. But isn't it a little weird that, you know, they're giving their daughter her birthday gift a week before? Yeah, this is kind of a detail that stuck out to me too. Uh, it doesn't necessarily scream murder or oh, no. criminal. Yeah, 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 sure. But it's that detail that makes you think twice. Now, here's the caveat. Is that Arushi was having her birthday party way before her birthday and just a couple of days after the Talwars gave her this gift. So the point to the Talwars like, was... Like click in the birthday party Exactly. We want you to party. have your I camera that, that when your sense. friends are over. And it was going to be like a sleepover with a ton of girls over. And so it was Nupur Talwar okay. actually who insisted that Arushi have the camera. Still kind of a weird detail but like really small. Okay. But this is how Rajesh Talwar knows he did not bring the scotch bottle out. As the couple stood in the living room, discussing where Hemraj was and where the bottle came from, Rajesh panicked a little. Seeing the bottle out like this gave him a pit in his stomach he couldn't quite explain. He ran over to Arshi's room just to check on her and make sure she was okay. When he opened the door to her room, he surprisingly found it open. 
You see, multiple doors in the house had a self-locking system including Arushi's room and so the door was usually locked every morning and could only be opened either from the inside or from the outside with the key. But this morning it was open from the outside. When Rajesh Salwar walked into his daughter's room, his life changed forever. Or so he claims. He saw on the bed his 13-year-old daughter's body lying lifeless on the bed. It was obvious she was dead even though her body was covered by a blanket. There was blood all over the pillow on which her head was resting, blood that had soaked up the mattress and was dripping down to the floor. The scene seemed out of any parent's worst nightmare. There were blood splashes all over the wall. Yet, parts of the room seemed untouched, uncorrupted by the gruesome crime. For example, some currency notes rested on her bedside table, as did her iPod with headphones still attached to it. The bed too had a number of Arushi's stuffed toys neatly placed all over, toys that had witnessed the murder. The only thing that seemed missing from the room was Arushi's cell phone. As Rajesh Talwar cried, screamed and banged his head against the walls of his home, Bharti had grabbed the key, walked up the stairs and reached the Talwar door again. This time though, she realized the door was actually just latched and not locked with a key as she had previously thought. Ashwara, I have a door in my house. Yeah. Um, it's pretty straightforward how it works. Yeah, not this one. I don't get how this door works. What's okay, up with it? Okay, this is a weird detail. Uh, and this is kind of how all of the doors in this Jalvayu Vihar complex were. It's kind of weird. There are three doors. What? There is one door. Like a Jaliwala door? There is, yes, right. There is one door behind which there was Nupur Talwar. That's the door that directly leads right. you into the house. That's the door where Nupur Talwar is standing and saying, I'm unable to open this. Someone's locked it from the outside. After that, there is a mesh net door. Jaliwala door. A Jaliwala door. And then there is a door which separates Bharti from the rest of this sort of... Okay. Yeah. Right? Sure. Vestibule. Okay. There's, got it. Got it. Like got there's it? a hallway or there's something? There's a very got small it, hallway it, with it, three it, doors. Cool. Now, in this hallway, between these three doors, there is also a door that connects to Hemraj's room. So, okay. Hemraj okay. can get out of his room right through this vestibule got out it. of this house. Now, Bharti is trying to open the frontmost door that she is standing mm-hmm. at. Turns out that door is just hard to open. It was never locked. The door that Nupur Talwar is trying to open was just latched, latched from the outside that Bharti couldn't see the first time mm-hmm. she saw. Mm-hmm. And she went and got the key, did all of this drama. She comes up and then is managed to like open the first door and realizes it's the second one that's just latched. Okay. And so then gets into the house without the key. But weird door situation, am I right? Like, and if Bharti, make simpler wo- doors. if Bharti worked there, I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. you, you know the doors in right, your house that... that Need a little, right. Yeah, like it's a, That's you know, true. I know the doors in my house that need, yeah, to, that you need know, to be jammed shove they need, yeah. Okay, now Bharti was a very, very recent employee at the ah, Talwar. She had see, only been wo- working there from like the last week, so just a oh, couple that, of days. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. So, Bharti just opened the latch and walked right in. And that's when she heard the screams coming from Arushi's room. As she walked into Arushi's room, she saw Nupur Talwar who stood silent, and Rajesh Talwar, who was hysterically crying. Nupur walked over to the bed and removed the blanket that was covering Arushi when Bharti noticed Arushi's throat had been slit. When Bharti recounts that day, that moment when the Talwars found their daughter's body, there is a detail that sticks out to her as slightly off, 
a detail that strikes many people as slightly off. When the talwars found their daughter's body, they immediately started screaming. Hemraj did it. Hemraj killed Arushi. Look, Bharti, look at what Hemraj did. Aran, does anything strike you as weird about this? I don't know. I'm in two minds, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I can see myself panicking and thinking there's a culprit. Say if somebody stole something from mm-hmm. me, right? And mm-hmm. I have an inkling as to who it could be. Yeah. Uh, I can see myself accusing them baselessly. Yeah. And I think it's something we've all done at some point in our life. Just jump to an opinion. Of course, murder of your daughter is a different ball different game ball altogether. Game. Yeah. But that's the closest, you know, I a proxy I can give to what, whether it's normal or not. Yeah. But the tone in which it was conveyed, to whom it was conveyed, mm-hmm. and the uh, the reiteration. Mm-hmm. Like almost brainwashing them into believing a certain narrative. Mm-hmm. Now I know this is hindsight, right? right? But this is also just how it's been reported. Yeah, yeah. It's a little weird for that reason. I agree. I agree. It is a little bit weird, but also I think it's more not weird than it is weird, mm-hmm. in the sense that there were four people in the house. Two are alive. One is yeah, dead. Yeah, one is missing. Um, And the logical conclusion is it's the one Mm. that's missing. The Talwars actually later went on to clarify. They did say this, yes, but the fact that they reacted this way wasn't weird. Like I said, and they said this too, there were four people in the house that night. Nupur, Rajesh and their daughter Arushi and their house help Hemraj. One of those four people was just found dead and one of the remaining three is missing. Added to that, someone did pick up Hemraj's phone when Nupur Talwar had called that morning. The conclusion that Hemraj killed Arushi wasn't weird at the moment considering all of that. But that brings us to the question, where is Hemraj? To find him and to report their daughter dead, Bharti asks if she should inform the neighbours and the building security guard and the Talwars say yes and Bharti does exactly that. An hour after they were called, the first investigating officer, Dataram Nanuria of the UP police, arrived at the Talwar home. It would be a mistake, though, to think that the police were the only ones to have arrived at the Talwar home. By 6.45, just 45 minutes after Bharti had rang the bell that morning, three couples had also arrived at the flat. Nupur's parents, Rajesh's brother and sister-in-law, and the Duranis, close friends of the Talwars. Now, I want you to remember the Duranis. They'll come back in this story later. But for now, the home was swarming with people. People who walked into Arushi's room and even touched Arushi's body to take her pulse. The notorious tampering of the scene that always gets brought up when anyone discusses this case had already begun. Even after the police arrived, the press, friends, curious locals all seemed to be entering the home and the police made no effort to restrict entry into the house. In fact, it was two doctor friends of the Talwars that first noticed that not only was there blood in Arushi's room, but there was also blood on the staircase leading up to the terrace of the Talwar home, a terrace which was locked and the key to which was usually with Hemraj. But there was simply too much going on right now for anyone to pay too much attention to the blood splatters on the staircase. The Talwars at this point were busy transporting their daughter for her autopsy. But when they reached the post-mortem house with Arushi's body, there was no doctor there. And the place was so dirty that the Talwars, allegedly, and their friends had to come with disinfectant and clean the area themselves. By 1pm that same day, Dr. Sunil Dohare had finished Arushi's autopsy. 
In his report, he stated that there was no sign of sexual assault or rape found and that there were two major injuries found on Arushi's body. First, her throat had been slit with a sharp object as the talwars had also noticed, but also her skull had been partially crushed from being hit by a different kind of object, an object that left a triangular bruise on her skull. She was alive when the triangular object hit her first and then died once her throat was slit. Now, not to get too graphic, but there was another key detail mentioned in the autopsy. The report noted, quote, The hymen of Arushi was ruptured and was having old tear. The vaginal orifice of deceased Arushi was unduly large and the mouth of the cervix was visible. End quote. The implication of this finding was obvious. 13-year-old Arushi had engaged in sexual intercourse at some point, or at least that's what everyone understood from it. But we will come back to this detail later too, so remember it. Once Arushi's autopsy had been conducted, her parents had only one thing to prepare for, the cremation of their only child. In fact, the very next morning on the 17th of May 2008, the Talwars began their drive to Haridwar to cremate their daughter and immerse her ashes in the Ganga. But as the Talwars were driving to Haridwar, they received a call from Rajesh Talwar's brother. What Rajesh Talwar heard on that call was the next biggest revelation this case was going to see. Another body had just been found on their terrace, the body of the man everyone had assumed up until this point to be Arushi's murderer, Hemraj. Eerily, Hemraj was killed exactly like Arushi had. He had been hit with an object on his head first and that blow was enough to kill him but the murderer then went on to slash his throat just like they did Arushi's. He still had his slippers on indicating he was possibly alive when he reached the terrace but also there were bloodstains all over the stairs leading up to the terrace and on the lock of the terrace door implying that Hemraj had been dragged up to the terrace. There were no other traces of blood anywhere in the house. Only in Arushi's room, on the staircase to the terrace, on the terrace and on the scotch bottle found on the dining table. A bedsheet had been hung from a wire to prevent anyone on the neighbouring terraces from seeing Hemraj's body and the body itself had been covered by a cooler panel. If the media was going crazy up until this point at the thought of a young, beautiful, affluent 13-year-old being found dead in her own home, it now went completely berserk at the news of a double murder taking place in the same house. There was once a house with four people in it. Those four people ate dinner and went to sleep. The next morning, two were dead and only two remained alive. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to wonder if the Talwars did it. I've lived in a house that looks like a mirror image of Arushi Talwars and if I can say anything about that house, is that it was tiny. Two murders had taken place inside that tiny space. How could they not know? How could they not hear anything? This point, Aran, brings me to a really weird anecdote from my time living in Jalvayu Vihar, Sector okay. 25. This one night, I'm in whatever, like the 8th or the 7th grade. Mm-hmm. And I'm deeply inspired by Taylor Swift's like live concert videos. And so I've decided to play one. 
and i've taken it to an empty room okay. one of the empty rooms in the house and i'm sitting there in at like 1 am singing in what i assume to be whispers so i'm trying to be really quiet because everyone's justifiably asleep and then precisely 60 seconds later my mom barges in yeah. yes that my mom barges in like almost ready to whack me for being so loud with my point here being that when people say how could the talwars not have heard i get it and the up police asked themselves all of these very questions and for some of these questions the talwars had answers for example they have vehemently maintained that on the night of the murder and for many days before that they had been turning their ac on and they had an ac that made way too much noise something was wrong with it they claimed it was impossible for them to hear anything that went on inside their home outside of their room but despite getting these answers from the talwars it seemed like the up police did not care they didn't really care about testing the ac or sending the unknown fingerprints on the scotch bottle for analysis or sending the cooler panel on himraj's body for analysis or finding out who picked up himraj's phone that morning when nupur talwar called they were busy conducting an investigation that fit their narrative instead When the police retrieved Arushi's cell phone records they realized she had been in very regular contact with a boy from her school a boy named Anmol In fact on the night of the murder Anmol had tried calling Arushi on her phone and on the home landline but she never picked up The police also found out that Anmol and Arushi had exchanged more than 600 texts together and so the police picked 13 year old Anmol up without informing his parents and put him through a grueling investigation. In that interrogation Anmol broke down crying. When the police asked him if she exchanged these many texts with other boys Anmol said yes. When the police asked Anmol if Arushi seemed easy Anmol said yes. This interrogation with Anmol combined with the vaginal results from Arushi's autopsy indicating sexual activity led the police to their murderer Rajesh Talwar. Soon after the Inspector General of Police Gurdarshan Singh held a proud press conference where he kept calling Arushi Shruti. He didn't even know her name. In this press conference he told the world his story. Rajesh Talwar had been having an affair with his family friend Anita Durani the same Duranis I told you to remember and Arushi found out about the affair to get back at her father she also started her own affair with 45 year old Hemraj the night of the murder Rajesh Talwar got home at around 11 pm and found Arushi in her room with Hemraj in an objectionable but not compromising position not compromising only because rape was ruled out in arushi's autopsy this agitates rajesh talwar beyond belief and so he takes hemraj to the terrace where he kills him then he comes down dripping blood on the staircase drinks some of his scotch and proceeds to kill his daughter with a hammer and a scalpel which were never found gurdarshan singh then on national television proceeds to call arushi quote as characterless as her father end quote in more personal police conversations they had mentioned that the talwars engaged in orgies and in wife swapping other times they claimed rajesh talwar was angry because of the number of boyfriends arushi had the police seemed for some weird reason fixated on sex as a motive sex in any way shape or form whether or not it made sense they just couldn't think beyond it soon after the police proceeded to leak all of arushi's personal communications to the media 
In those personal communications was an email that the police used heavily for their theory that Arushi was having an affair with Hemraj. It was an email Arushi had written to her father apologizing to him for something she had done but as Aviruk Sen says in his book titled Arushi the email ended with a lol Sen asks the reader how serious could the matter be for a apology to end with a lol but there was no convincing the media or the police Ishwara how soon after the murder did this tell all police conference take place yeah so i don't have the exact days for them aran but definitely in the like two months after the murder one and a half two months after the murder so really soon by all standards and the the announcement was apart from circumstantial evidence nothing 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 who who makes such an announcement before you have like yeah. hard evidence and we're about to find out where all of this information how did the police even get all of this information I we're think about to find out it literally sounds like they've been reading smart <sighs> that's true yeah i mean yeah. i like yeah yeah like yeah no it does they sound fantasy. like the teenagers yeah and i'm not even saying this didn't happen i don't know right and yeah, you're yeah. going to reveal it for us yeah. to for that to be your primary operating theory and for you Less to within than two like months. two months after the murder yeah that's insane i agree despite passing multiple lie detector tests rajesh talwar was labeled guilty the genie had left the bottle by june 1st three fourths of the people surveyed in a hindustan times survey believed that the media had pronounced rajesh talwar to be guilty Now Aryan there were texts and emails found in Arushi's inbox that went something like this Hmm you hate me I know my fault I'm such a freaking slut I know But tell me am I right or am I wrong This has been every single crazy overhormoned teenager in their life at some point You've liked someone they've thought some way of you you've described yourself as a bitch as a slut and you've described other people like that This is the grain of being a teenager. You you seem warped from the outside perspective. Yeah, I mean, to think of it, sure, selectively these emails paint a certain picture. Yeah, yeah. But if I were to tap into your <laughs> eighth or ninth grade, she created an anonymous account once, just by the way. So you know, like if we so, tapped, if we tapped into sort of the low lights of your of teenage, your teenage life, yeah, yeah, sure, you could be painted as whatever you want to paint somebody yeah, as. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rather swiftly after the press conference the police arrested Rajesh Talwar and shattered Nupur Talwar's life forever but now Nupur Talwar had nothing to lose she wanted to fight for justice and so she appeared on an NDTV interview 8 days after the murder the infamous Nupur Talwar interview Her aim was to tell her side of the story to counter the narrative from the press conference but her interview ended up doing the opposite I've rewatched this video more times than I can count and I do see what people see. I lost Arushi 8 days ago in such a brutal way and I don't know with all conviction 100% Rajesh doted on his daughter. This could it couldn't be the way that they're suggesting this. It's, it's totally untrue. We were such a happy family Sonia. I mean I see that the way she speaks isn't how I would expect a mother to speak 8 days after her daughter's murder. I see the coldness people notice and the calculative, logical, to the point answers that go against the grain of what we expect. 
but every single time i feel this way i can't help but realize i have no idea what it feels like to be her in that moment to have lost your daughter and your husband now in a sense and to have to maintain a strong front to fight for justice i just don't know i think people need to cut her some slack at least for that interview despite the hate against nupur talwar for this interview though the up police was getting a ton of flack and hate too The comments made in the press conference agitated everyone from Arushi's schoolmates to the National Commission for the Protection of Child Rights everyone was up in arms This uproar led Chief Minister Mayawati to hand this case over to the CBI transferring all of the officers who colossally botched up the case By July of 2008 while Rajesh Talwar still sat in prison for a crime he said he hadn't committed and the media continued to run uncorroborated stories of the Talwars running a wife swapping ring the CBI had a huge task at hand they essentially had to begin their investigation from scratch and as they started their investigation slowly but surely weird details began to come to light The CBI team came to be led by Inspector Arun Kumar, the same inspector who led the Nithari investigation and the Rizwanur Rahman investigation from the Rahman Dori case. This team quickly figured out that the version of the crime that the UP police had been telling the world, the version where Arushi was getting back at her promiscuous father for having an affair with Anita Durrani and the version in which Arushi herself was having an affair with Hemraj, that version of the story came from just one source a man named krishna thadarai krishna was a 22 year old employee at rajesh talwar's clinic the cbi soon realized that in the days after the crime the noida police had illegally picked up and essentially confined krishna to a police station in noida over multiple days which is where krishna told the police a story of wife swapping and sex and extramarital affairs and jealousy and revenge This version of the crime was the exact version sometimes even word to word similar to the story that Noida police then went on to tell the world in their press conference putting a 22 year old boy mm-hmm. um forget l- the legal process not being followed right yeah. um, but just putting a 22 year old boy mm-hmm. who is unrelated to the case yeah. um so obviously there is no guilt in him yeah being tortured uh being uh, questioned being yeah. held against his will He'll say whatever he whatever has to, to yeah, to get out of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And imagine him coming up with one story mm-hmm. about wife swapping, mm-hmm. and he would have seen like, oh, the police, they, oh, they're now they seem to they like, seem this, like engage with this, yeah. Double down on it, trip quadruple down on it, and yeah. come up with this this fantasy yeah. that the police like they they ate that up. They ate that shit up. We later see why Krishna actually went on to tell these stories, and yeah, part of that was the way the Noida police was treating Krishna. But there was certainly more to this than that. Okay. Now I don't need to be an expert in criminal investigations to know that any story for which there is only one single source, a source that was illegally detained, should not be trusted without further corroboration. and we know that noida police never corroborated the story any further but let's say that for one second we forget that argument at all even forgetting that argument krishna's story just didn't make sense for example krishna claimed that he thought rajesh talwar and anita durrani were having an affair because on every tuesday and thursday days when nupur talwar worked in delhi instead of noida Rajesh and Anita would close their clinic early and go back home together. 
Now in reality, the two of them only did this because they picked up their daughters together from the same school, whereas Nupur Talwar picked up Arushi on the other days of the week. When Krishna was confronted on the details of his theory later by the CBI, his only response seemed to be that Hemraj knew of the affair. Convenient for him, Hemraj was now dead. Another weird detail was revealed once the CBI began its investigation. The forensic examiner on the case came forward to tell the CBI that he had done an inspection of Hemraj's room the morning after the murder and he said he had noticed, firstly, three glasses, two of which had still a little bit of alcohol left in them. Secondly, he noticed a bottle of whiskey which was a quarter full. Thirdly, he noticed depressions on Hemraj's bed which indicated three people sat on it. And lastly, he noticed the condition of Hemraj's washroom which suggested that more than one person had used the washroom recently. Because of all of these pieces of information, the forensic examiner firmly believed that other people had been in the house the day or night of the murder. I think we are heading in a direction where this seems plausible. Mm-hmm. But if it is, I I can't even... What kind of an air conditioner do you have that sounds like a jet engine yeah, that you don't that you get don't. replaced? How can three people in a small house mm-hmm. who are drinking up, mm-hmm. who commit a... Let alone they commit a murder, right? Just yeah. three dudes bawling yeah. in your private space yeah. when... You don't even have a son. You have a daughter. So, yeah. you know, a guy's baritone versus a girl's pitch are two very different kinds of sounds to be coming. Yeah. yeah. How do you not hear it? And if your air conditioner is that bad, how broke are you to not fix it? Like, yeah. how can you sleep through something like that? What kind of an AC is this? I think on the not fixing the air conditioner, I don't think anyone truly realized that not fixing a noisy air conditioner could be the thing no, that no, makes you, you culpable for murder. How? How? If it was really that noisy, Mm -hmm. how could you sleep with it? How could you operate on your day-to-day life? Yeah. Because it needs to be really loud for you to not be able to hear three drunk men. I don't think it it needs to be really loud. I think taking into consideration like the composition of the walls in the home combined with the noise. But the Taylor Swift thing... Yeah, that's true. I I don't have a perfect answer for this one. We will come back to the noise thing and the AC again later. Because of this information combined with the fact that the CBI knew that the Noida police story came from Rajesh Talwar's help Krishna, the CBI decided to put Krishna through a polygraph and narco test. In fact, the woman that conducted the narco test on Krishna was the same woman who conducted the narco test on Pandey and Surendra Kohli. This woman, Dr. Vaya, was the person who advocated for narco tests to gain legitimacy across Indian investigations and fought to have the court recognize their importance. And the court did. While the court never made narco or polygraph tests directly admissible in courts, they did say that these tests could be admissible if they led to the discovery of other pieces of evidence. For example, if in the narco test, Krishna revealed the location of a murder weapon that he had hidden under his bed, the police could then go to get a search warrant for his apartment and find the weapon. And if they were to find the weapon, then the narco test could be admissible in court as a valid confession. In that narco test though, the one conducted on Krishna, Krishna confessed to the crime. He mentioned being in the Tanwar home that night. He mentioned how there were two other men with him, Rajkumar and Vijay. He mentioned that he saw Rajkumar kill Arushi and Hemraj. And he also said that Rajesh Talwar had nothing to do with the crime. 
In his polygraph test too, Krishna displayed multiple signs of deception. Is Krishna just hallucinating the existence of these two men or Rajkumar no. and Vijay are real people? <laughs> they exist. They are very real people. Uh, like I've told you, Krishna used to work in the combined dental clinic yeah, yeah. with um, the Talwars and the Duranis. Rajkumar was a helper in the Durani household. So he would do like odd okay. jobs like go get their groceries, drive into the airport, train station, that kind of stuff. Hemraj's counterpart. Hemraj's counterpart, right. And Vijay used to work in the Talwar's neighbor's home. The same neighbors that Bharti went and called the morning of the murder. So all three men had mm. somehow now come to become friends and buddies mm. with Hemraj and hang out together often. And this gets revealed later, but multiple people eventually say that all three of these men had developed some sort of a crush or an obsession with Arushi. In fact, narco tests were conducted on both of the men after Krishna's confession. And while all three of their accounts varied slightly in timelines and order of events, all three of them confessed to two overarching things. That they were all in Hemraj's room that night and that there was a murder that night in which they were involved. The only issue and a big issue at that was that Krishna said it was Rajkumar that killed the two victims and Rajkumar said Krishna did. Now these varying accounts are only a problem if the men don't also confess outside of the narco test. Because like I said, just the narco test isn't admissible alone. But outside of the narco tests, the men refused to confess. They all claimed they had airtight alibis. In fact, even the employers of these men, all of whom were good friends with the Talwars, gave alibis saying that these men were either at home helping serve dinner or were like picking some of them up from the train station. So it's weird. When the police raided the homes of the three men after the narco test, they found the kukri that Krishna said was the murder weapon. And the kukri also had blood spots on it. The police also found a bloody pillowcase. The police also found out that just a few days before the murder, Rajesh Talwar had scolded Krishna in the clinic in front of some patients, after which Krishna told him, Raj, that he would, quote, sort Rajesh out, end quote. This team also dug deep into the claim that the Talwars couldn't hear the murders. The Talwars claimed that their AC was defective and too loud to hear anything happening outside. The CBI team called sound experts to analyze the room and the sounds and the experts found that indeed it was possible that the Talwars did not hear the murders outside because of their AC. Also remember how the first forensic examiner had said that Arushi's hymen showed tears and the mouth of the cervix was visible and large? Well, the CBI also realized that this doctor had never ever in his entire life conducted a female autopsy at all. What the hell? Yeah, I just, I don't even know what to say. What kind of a doctor do you have to be to never have conducted an autopsy on a female patient? No, what kind and of an investigation your, was this? Uh, yes, and then to agree to give your opinion on that and then for the investigator to accept that opinion. There, it is just failure on so many levels. It, yeah. Had dude done an autopsy before? He did, yes. He okay. was he was an autopsy specialist. Okay. Just not, which is what is weird autopsy to me. Autopsy like, specialist? Yes, which is why it's weird to me that you can do that and have that be your profession but never have conducted one on a woman. Yeah. Yeah. What to him seemed like a large tear or a large cervix may just have been normal. Added to that, this forensic examiner's description of Arushi's private parts kept on changing over the course of the years, somehow slowly becoming more and more graphic and unusual with time. 
and we've discussed this before on our sister abhya episode and aviruk sen the author of the book arshi touches on the same there are many ways a hymen is damaged the implication that sexual activity is the only way or even the most common way is blatantly false with all of this information the cbi arrived at its own theory very different from the theory of the noida police the cbi said the night of the murder the talwars gave arshi the camera they got we know that we know that they all ate dinner together hemraj made himself dinner too but he never ate it arshi for some reason turned her phone off and went to her room after dinner the talwars went to their room where nupur talwar lay in bed but rajesh talwar caught up with some work but the internet was slow that night so he asked nupur talwar to go to arshi's room and switch the internet on and off nupur went to the room where arshi was awake reading a book She fixed the internet but then doesn't remember if she ever locked Arshi's room from the outside something she did every other night without fail Nupur also doesn't remember where she kept the keys to Arshi's room that night Those keys were usually always kept in her bedside drawer but the morning after the murder they were found in the drawing room Then after finishing up some work the couple went to sleep Then men arrived at Hemraj's room where they began drinking Once they ran out of alcohol they went inside the home to get some from Rajesh Talwar's bar when they noticed Arshi's door open that's when either Krishna or Rajkumar went into her room to try and assault her when Hemraj tried to stop them in the scuffle that broke out the men killed Arshi and took Hemraj to the terrace where they killed him after he threatened to tell the Talwars While to many this theory now seems like the most likely one at the time in 2008 nobody knew or cared about this theory at all the media storm from the Noida police investigation loomed so large and high that it captured the country leaving little space for any new theory after that unluckily for Arun Kumar the CBI investigator who postulated this theory shortly into his investigation the CBI changed directors The CBI's second team began a new investigation all over again and came up with a theory remarkably similar to the one that the Noida police had come up with. In this theory, the CBI relied heavily on the autopsy results of Arushi's private parts that we just mentioned a while ago and used it to claim that Arushi had engaged in sexual activity. They also claimed that Hemraj's swollen genitals meant he had engaged in sexual activity too. They claimed the crime scene had been dressed up after the murder because the stuffed toys found on Arshi's bed seemed to have no blood on them. To this CBI team, dressing up the crime scene is something only Rajesh and Nupur Talwar had the luxury of doing since they would be in no hurry to run away since there was nobody to catch them in the dead of the night. They claimed that the narco tests conducted on Krishna Rajkumar and Vijay were all conducted forcefully and they focused heavily on the triangular injury on Arushi's head claiming it to be consistent with being hit by a golf club Conveniently Rajesh Talwar played golf and his home had golf clubs too What this team was forgetting was that firstly their forensic examiner had shaky testimony at best that the stuffed toys on Arshi's bed were never sent to be tested for blood to show whether or not they had been placed there after the murder that the narco tests were conducted by one of the best narco testing teams in the country that the golf club they claim Rajesh Talwar killed Arshi with was a club Rajesh Talwar himself found and submitted to the CBI This team forgot that Rajesh and Nupur Talwar passed all narco and polygraph tests 
that there was a bloody weapon and pillowcase found inside Krishna's room, that the morning after the murder, Nupur Talwar called Hemraj's phone and someone picked up the call before cutting it, someone who was not Rajesh or Nupur Talwar. In my opinion, this team is forgetting too much. But what I think didn't and doesn't matter, because the change in leadership of the CBI, when the CBI submitted its final report to the court, the theory that they backed up was the one that found Rajesh and Nupur Talwar to be guilty. In 2013, the Talwars were arrested for the murder of their 13-year-old daughter and their house help. On their way to being imprisoned, Rajesh Talwar was stabbed by an onlooker, which eerily reminds me of how Shambhu Pratap Rathor was stabbed for leading Ruchika Girhotra to suicide. Although these two men, at least to me, are not the same. In 2017, the couple were then released from prison for a lack of evidence, after which they returned to the same apartment complex in Noida where Arushi was killed. But they never returned to the same home again, now living with their parents instead. Now, don't mistake me, I'm not 100% sure that the Talwars didn't commit this crime. There are weird details in this case that don't make sense to me to this date. Like the alibis of the three men, given by people who were close to and ardently supported the Talwars, or the the fact that the woman who conducted the narco test on the three helpers eventually got fired from her job in Bangalore for unethical practices, or that, at least from the crime scene photos, the teddy bears do seem like they were placed there after the crime because they have no blood on them. But am I sure they committed this crime enough for me to advocate for their arrest? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know because I know that Rajesh Talwar cried when he was handcuffed with Krishna, pleading with the police to not handcuff him to his daughter's killers. I don't know that they killed her because I know that the Talwars had adorable family traditions like naming the tree outside their house Johnny Depp, to which they all collectively said goodbye every night. I don't know that they killed her because Arushi wrote a Christmas letter to Santa asking for only three things. That her family always stays happy, that her parents and her friends always stay in her life, and that she get a dog. He didn't fulfill even one of her wishes, did he? Was Rajesh Talwar's reaction to reading this letter many years later in an interview. Maybe neither of these two groups of people committed this murder, hinted too by the fact that Hemraj had, in the weeks before his murder, told family members that he was scared for his life, and that Hemraj received an anonymous call the evening of his murder, and that Hemraj hadn't sent any money to his family for the last one year. So frankly, I don't know who committed this crime. Unfortunately, in this case, the damage done by the first investigation was so deep that we've come too far from the truth. But there is someone out there, alive today, living freely, who knows? And all I want to say to them is, fuck you. <laughs>